the enemy wants you to think that you're all alone in your circumstances, in your difficulties, in your persecution, in your depression, in your struggle. He want, the enemy wants to drive a wedge to make you think that you are alone and nobody is for you, but everybody is against you, that you have no value. When in reality, listen, God sent his son, Jesus Christ, to die, to give up his son for you. You have value. We would like to welcome you to Getting in the Word with Pastor Stuart Guthrie. Pastor Stuart is the teaching pastor of Family Bible Fellowship in Early Branch, South Carolina, and he has been teaching through a series on the book of 1 Peter. We hope that you will join us as we begin Getting in the Word. Here is Pastor Stuart. This morning I've entitled uh, our sermon, The Tools of the Trade, The Sufferings of Christ. The devil, it was said, had a yard sale. That's kind of funny. But he sold everything in the yard sale. He sold all that he had listed. But there was one tool out of all of the tools that got gone that he was unable to sell. He said this tool was too priceless to get rid of. And so, of course, somebody approached him and asked him why he considered this tool so valuable that he was unable to get rid of it, to part with it. And the old devil said this, Listen, everything I've sold is fine. I only need this one tool. With this one tool, I can get between any two things that I desire. And that tool was a wedge. He said, all I have to do is to be able to get just a corner of that wedge in, and from that point, I can begin to work and split apart the two things that I desire. Therefore, he says, I refuse to sell this tool because it is priceless for me. I come this morning concerned. Concerned that the enemy may have begun to drive a wedge in your life. You see, the enemy wants to put a wedge between you and the things that are most important. Not the things that are most important to you and to me, but the things that are most important to God. Most important to the one that created you, the one that gives you value, the one that gives you worth, no matter your color, no matter your gender, no matter your age, God sees you as precious and the devil desires to drive a wedge between you and God and the things of God. Between you and the Word, between you and the church, between you and your worship of God, He desires to drive a wedge between you and your spouse, you and your children, and for some, a wedge between life and death. His purpose is to just get the tip in there. And once it's in place, he will begin to drive it deeper and deeper and deeper, hit after hit after hit until your life splits. You see, he can try and destroy your relationships. He tries to get in there with that wedge in the physical aspects of your life. 
the emotional aspects of your life, the financial aspects of your life, the spiritual things of your life, or just the simplistic things of life. But it's the persistence of the enemy that keeps him driving the wedge a little deeper each time, and which eventually will cause your life to fall apart. With this tool, he can create distractions. He can create pain. He can create hurt. He can create resentment. And he can use anything that dishonors God. He will use that. And if you come today and you think there's no wedge, no tool in which the enemy is working in your life, you are sadly mistaken because it is a tool in which he keeps readily available for every single one of us. We just have to pinpoint what it is that the enemy is trying to use his favorite tool on. And today I want to make it very clear and make sure that you are aware this morning that in the happiness of Father's Day, a day in which we honor those who are fathers, that you are aware that the enemy, listen, is active. And he seeks to kill, steal, and destroy. And if you're not careful, the crafty enemy will little by little wedge his way into your world and break it apart. Today we're going to be talking about sufferings. And I wonder just how many are sitting in the pews, in here, in the overflow, watching on Facebook, or that will watch this sermon once it hits the internet, that are dealing with pain, with suffering, with history. Depression, in which the enemy is using a wedge to tear you apart. Today it is imperative that we become acquainted with a proper perspective on difficulty, suffering, and pain in our lives. What better way for us to understand and to see that in the light of the sufferings of Jesus Christ? We are continuing this week, if you remember through our study on the book of 1 Peter, maybe you're visiting for the first time, but the reality is, is we've been working through Peter for several weeks, and we've looked at different things within this book that have been dealing with some controversial issues, some that are harder than others to take, but all for the sole purpose of growing us closer in our walk with Jesus Christ becoming more founded on the Lord Jesus Christ. And my desire, my hope, my encouragement this morning is that in the midst of whatever it is that you're going through, in the life in which you live, because it's a matter of not if, but when you will go through the difficulties of life, the sufferings, the pain, the depression, who will you lean on? Who will you lean on? And my hope is that it will be the foundation, the solid rock of Jesus Christ. Christ, the solid rock I stand, all other ground is sinking 
sand. And so last week, we began a new section of 1 Peter as we looked at Peter's response to the Christian suffering and service. And then we begin to compartmentalize those as we look at Peter's direction on how to be effective witnesses. And I want to ask you, how, you know, we preached the message last week on being an effective witness. How, how did you do this week? Were you more effective? Did you have a, a zeal for good? Did you, were you bold in the persecutions in which you maybe have faced? Were you ready to share? Did you have a conscience of good? Because that's what we looked at last week. And this week, we're going to look at Peter's description of the effective sufferings of Christ. Now again, Peter is here and he's speaking to a group of people that are in, in dwelling difficulties of life. Living through a time of difficult persecution. Christians are being killed left and right for their faith in Jesus Christ. And this isn't really that's... That this isn't really something that is abnormal in our day. It may be abnormal to us as Americans. But we Christians in America think that everyone around us should be able to come and to worship freely like we do. When it's not the case. The world's population is said to be 7.6 billion people. The American population is roughly 325.7 million we make up about 5% of the world population. Let that sink in for a minute. Because I think most Americans think the whole world sits right on this continent. When we only make up 5% of the world's population. And what is abnormal to us, I want you to understand, is the norm. The norm is persecution. Most of the world has to deal with persecution at some point in their walk with Jesus Christ. And so it's not just these people in, in which Peter is talking to and speaking to. These are timeless truths that should ring not only in their lives, but in your lives, in my lives, in lives across the world today. These are timeless truths that should encourage us challenge us and help us to grow as strong Christians so that we can be victorious. I mean, don't you want to be victorious as a Christian? You know, everything I post on the internet on my sermons and everything keeps a database of all of those sermons and how many people have clicked on it. You know the, the, the top two sermons? One of them is, would you like to know God as your friend? I preached that sermon back when I was in Montana. It's got tons of views. But the second, number one, second sermon is the victorious Christian life. I don't believe there's a soul in here that doesn't want to live the victorious Christian life. And these messages will help us to be victorious. Because most of us, if not have experienced, will experience suffering, difficulty. And maybe right there and you're, you're saying, Amen, praise the Lord, I know, come on, preach. I don't think that it's 
very odd for people to be depressed. You know why? Because if I can go through a bout of depression on a regular basis, why couldn't anybody? I don't think it's an abnormal thing for people to go through sufferings. To go through financial struggles. Some because we've made bad decisions, but some because the Lord is trying to teach us where our value lies is not in material things. I don't think it's uncommon for people to have marriage issues because you're married to a sinner. I don't think it's uncommon to have children problems. Well, because they're sinners. Just like you. Except a smaller version. So the reality is, listen, we will all endure pain, difficulties, and sufferings. But I believe that he's teaching us so that we can make a great impact for Christ while we tarry on this earth, no matter our circumstance. You may come this morning and you feel great. You have no problems. Praise God. Help somebody that does. Because it's just a matter of time until something happens. I can't think of a better way to encourage people that are going through sufferings, going into a suffering or coming out of a suffering, than to see the greatest example of all the sufferings of Jesus Christ. And the message that is contained within this one verse today is one that I would like to just simply slow down for a minute. And to gaze into its depths. Because I believe it's one of the greatest passages of all Scripture. For one which we preach the gospel today. It's a message that if you've never heard, I pray, listen will penetrate your heart if you can stay awake long enough. I pray that it will penetrate your soul and that you will come to know Jesus Christ as your Lord and personal Savior. I pray that it will penetrate and when you walk out of these doors, you will be a new person in Christ. For those that have heard the message over and over and over, I pray that it would bring you to a place of remembrance to a place of conviction as we look into the sufferings of Jesus Christ and the purposes of it. That's what I want to accomplish today. So if you will, let's turn book of 1 Peter, chapter 3, verse 18. It's a simple one-verse text, but one that is full. One I'm not even going to cover most of what's in it today, but just a few items. He says this in 1 Peter 3, 18, For Christ also died for sins once for all, the just for the unjust, so that He might bring us to God, having been put to death in the flesh, but made alive in the Spirit. Four things. Well, three things that I want you to get from the text this morning. Number one, I want us to see that Christ suffered for our sins. Secondly, Christ suffered for our substitution. And thirdly, Christ suffered for our security. Here I hope that you see the encouragement through what Christ has done so that you can, in this life, walk confidently in the midst of your difficult circumstances. Knowing that you haven't gone through this time alone. Now, because the enemy wants you to think that you're all alone in your circumstances... 
in your difficulties, in your persecution, in your depression, in your struggle. He want, the enemy wants to drive a wedge to make you think that you are alone and nobody is for you, but everybody is against you, that you have no value. When in reality, listen, God sent His Son, Jesus Christ, to die, to give up His Son for you. You have value. There's no greater value than that. And if you're looking for something greater than that, you're looking for love in all the wrong places. Jesus is where it starts. Remember what Christ has done as we look. So we see point number one, Christ suffered for our sins. We read in the first part of our, for Christ also died for sins once and for all. Sufferings come, listen, in many fashions, many shapes, many different forms, in many different types of sufferings. But one thing that connects all of those together is the effect of how they affect people. You know, the person is made up of three parts. The body, the spirit, and the soul. First Thessalonians gives us insight on that as it says, Now may the God of peace who himself sanctify you entirely and may your spirit and your soul and your body be preserved completely without blame at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. So each person is made up of the spirit, the soul, and the body and we as humans can suffer in all three of those areas. We know well the sufferings that Christ endured in the body. And all for the sake of you and me. And the will of God for His glory. Without Jesus Christ, you and I would be bankrupt this morning before God, unable to pay a debt that Jesus Christ paid there on Calvary. And so we see Jesus dying, suffering, for our sins. Now, if you're reading the New American Standard, it says died. But if you're reading the King James Version or ESV, it says suffered. Now, it really describes both because the Greek here describes a type of suffering that results in death. So the NASB is pointing out the end results while the King James Version, the ESV, and some others are pointing the action of suffering. And so why does Peter bring up the sufferings of Christ right in the midst of our text? Right after he talks about being effective witnesses for Christ. Because he's trying to teach us that if we're going to be effective witnesses, that we have to have a proper perspective of suffering. Because this life is not guaranteed to be all fruits and flowers and veggies. Sometimes it gets difficult. Sometimes it gets ugly and it gets messy. And if we're going to be effective witnesses, we have to understand suffering in light of what Jesus is doing. These people are hurting. They are suffering for their faith and Peter is trying to encourage them that this is a part of their walk with Christ. This rings true really through all of 1 Peter. I mean, if we look just back at verse 17, we were reminded there in verse 17, he says this, For it is better if God should will it so that you suffer for doing what is right rather than doing what is wrong. 
Look at the end of section 4. Chapter 4, verse 1. Therefore, since Christ has suffered in the flesh, arm yourselves also with the same purpose. Listen, the first thing you and I have to do as believers and followers of Christ is to accept the fact that we will deal with suffering in this life. Nobody told you that when you came to Christ? <laughs> you see, as you're playing on the devil's team, he, he doesn't mess with you too much. But once you cross over and you get on God's team, you will begin to see the enemy attack. And you will see him use that favorite tool to wedge between you and the Lord and all that he has for your life so that he can break you apart and make you a useless vessel. You will endure suffering as Christians. And that's hard. But we can be encouraged. We are to purpose ourselves for suffering. Look, these trials that you're going through in this life are there to grow you in your faith. Now you can walk away from sufferings and try to stay clear of them when you may be able to escape a few. It seems to be the easiest way. But remember what Paul has already, uh, Peter has already said in chapter 1, verse 13. He says, Therefore, prepare your minds for action. Keep sober in spirit. Fix your hope completely on the grace to be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. He has been preparing us for the fact that he's going to tell us the sufferings is a part the Christian walk. If you're here this morning and you're going through something, and you feel like simply giving in, don't. Don't you give up. You honor the Lord Jesus Christ. You don't give in no matter how bad it is. I sat beside a 13-year-old girl without a father today. Who gave in. And I watched her. Sh- her oh, I watched her world shattered. Whatever you're going through. Listen. Whatever you're going through. Don't give up. Get help. I, I'll come sit with you. I'll come cry with you. I'll come spend time with you. Don't do it. Don't give up. You were designed to endure, but it's Christ, the solid rock in which we stand. It's on Him in which we place our hope, our trust, our faith, not our circumstances. They're going to get ugly. You may come down with cancer. You may come down with some illness and you may die in your sleep tonight and you may walk out of this door and you may get in that car and you may drive up that street and bam, it could be the last day and everybody left behind is going to be devastated. But don't you give up. You go the way God intended you to go. And that's enduring for the sake of Christ. He has paid for your life. He has bought you with a price that you could not afford to pay. And you have value because he's paid 
a price that is unable to be paid by anything but the blood of Jesus Christ. Don't you give up. He checked out because of his sufferings. You see, he bought into some lies that he'd be better off. We'd be better off without him. That his family would be better off without him. But I can promise you, it doesn't take a lot of logic to realize now that he's gone, he failed at accomplishing what he thought to be true. The enemy got in there, drove a wedge in his life, and convinced him of something that was a lie from the pit of hell. You know what I realized at this funeral this, this week? Why don't we tell people how we feel about them before they're gone? Let me tell you what, I told my dad, I wrote him a letter, he probably hadn't read it yet. And I cried this morning. You know why we don't tell people how we feel? Because it's too emotional. I, I don't like getting all tore up. Like, you know, I mean, come on. I don't want to go tell my dad how much I love him. He knows I love him right now. He's given me my father up to this point. He's given me my mother, my brother, my sisters, the body of Christ. Why don't we tell them? His father wrote a letter to his son that was unbelievable. Let us tell one another how much they mean to us. Because you never know what's going on in here in the life of people around you. But greater than that, we can tell them how much Jesus Christ loves them. Listen, the world is full of horrors. It's full of hard times. It's full of suffering. And when we lose sight of who we endure for, it's easy to give up. It's easy to throw in the towel. Listen, Jesus Christ loves you so much. And He desires nothing more for than you to stand on Him. And if you're a believer and you are a follower of Christ, He's given you the Holy Spirit who lives in you. And you have untapped potential. You have a power in your life in which you can overcome if we'll just lose sight of ourselves and keep focused on Christ. Life is so much more than us. You see, I have the privilege of knowing Jesus Christ personally. That, my friend, is God in the working. You see, He makes you clean. He makes you clean. Do you understand that? For me, it was March 25th, 2001, in which He drew that line. And from that day forward, I had two choices. I could trust what Christ said, that I'm a new creation in Christ. Right? The old things have passed away. Behold, the new have come. I have two choices. I can allow that to dictate that, 
Or I can draw the line and say, I don't care what's happened past that point. That is history. And you see what many people do is they allow some man, some woman, some psychiatrist to label them on something that happened back here that results in something over here, but not what I read in the Word of God says, I am a new creation in Christ. The old things have passed away. Yeah, they exist. You may have been molested. You may have been abused. You may have been attacked. Whatever the case may be. You may have been sinner. Uh, you can go wherever you want to go with it. But the reality is, is when we have been forgiven and saved by grace, He draws a line and He says, this is your new life. That is passed away. That is old news. Let it go. Forget about it. But many people are letting themselves be labeled by something that took place before Christ rather than saying, I'm a new creation in Christ. And the devil draws a wedge. Tink. Tink. I got this problem. Tink. I got that problem. Tink. I was treated this way. Tink. My so-and-so did this to me. Tink. And the next thing you know, you split. Jesus says you are a new creation in Christ Jesus suffered and died that you might have life listen don't come this morning thinking that you can live a perfect life there may be a lot of mess a lot of history in your life but that's okay Jesus came and died and became sin on your behalf that you might from that point become the righteousness of God in Him. There is, if there is any righteousness from that point in your lives, it's because Jesus Christ has done it for you this morning. If you're here and you're feeling defeated, you're feeling discouraged, you're feeling depressed, you're feeling down, remember that He at this point in your life died for you, that you might have life and have life abundantly. There's victory in Jesus. Yes, it's important that you and I live righteous lives because the Bible calls us to do that. But it was the sufferings of Christ and to death that make you righteous, not the work you do. The Bible says that our greatest deeds are filthy rags. You see, we were separated from God because of sin. But God sent His Son and Jesus Christ to suffer to die on our behalf that we might have life. They hung Jesus on the cross because it was God's predetermined plan in your life and in my life. It was His love for me. It was His love for you. It was His love for mankind in which God made the first move to reestablish friendship with us. Not that you love God, but that God loved you and sent His Son into the world that you might have life. He sought you out this morning. He came after you. There's no one who seeks after God. No, not one. He loves you. And He created you for greater things in depression, in suffering. And while you may do it for a while, joy 
will renew itself in the morning. He suffered in the body, he suffered in the spirit, and he suffered in the soul, Jesus did as an example, so that we might have life. He suffered in the body there, being beaten to the point of being unrecognized, flogged, hung on a cross, nailed up there, and pierced through for our iniquities. He suffered in his spirit by sweating blood there in the garden when he was aware that, hey, the wrath of God is going to be poured out on me. And he sweat blood and he says, Father, if it be, take this cup from me, but not my will, your will be done. He suffered not only in the body and the spirit, but he suffered in his soul as he hung there on the cross. Every breath in excruciating pain. Jesus lifts his head and he says, Father, Father, why hast thou forsaken me? And all of the sins that you and I have done and will do were placed on Christ. Were placed on Christ. He became sin. He who knew no sin became sin on our behalf that we might become the righteousness of God in Him. Jesus Christ was the only option and Christ died for what was right that we have life even as sinners. 1 Peter 2.21 says, For you have been called for this very purpose, since Christ also suffered for you, leaving you as an example to follow in His footsteps. If you are suffering this morning, listen, I want you to know it's okay. You can see that as a blessing. But brothers and sisters, listen, we're living in a time of suffering, and a time of difficulties, but we are headed into a time of no mores. That's what we rejoice in. He says when he comes back, there will be no more suffering, there will be no more pain, there will be no more tears. And for that, you and I can look forward and to rejoice in that day when it comes. Endure for the sake of Christ. Consider it all joy, my brother, when you encounter various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces endurance and let endurance have its perfect results so that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. You never know when our little 5% of the population will become the normal. And we will begin to see the persecution in ways that we never thought we would right here in America. I mean, we're already starting to see them. I mean, just look at Chick-fil-A, what they go through as a little restaurant. They close their doors on Sunday. They honor the Lord's Day. They stand up for biblical marriage, and they're persecuted. They hold a biblical worldview, and, and... they fight their fault against. But I say fight the good fight. Praise God for businesses that stand up for Christian values. Praise the Lord. Stand firm in the faith. And that's just what they're doing. How about us? How about us? Christ died for our sins. He is the example that we should be encouraged by. Christ suffered for our sins, but secondly, he suffered for our substitution. He says here, for Christ also died for sin once and for all, the just for the unjust. You could say the righteous for the unrighteous. Now, some people will say that Christ only died for the elect and not all people, but this passage puts that out of order because it's telling us that Christ suffered and died for the just and the unjust. 
That's everybody. You're in one of those categories. You're either just or you're unjust. Christ suffered for our substitution. He became our substitution. I remember years ago, Pastor Carl preached a message from Matthew chapter 27. I'll never forget as long as I live. Great illustration of of substitution. You remember the man by the name of Barabbas? He's a criminal. The penalty for Barabbas was what? Crucifixion. And Barabbas is there. It's the time of the Passover. But they had a custom of that day. And that custom was to release one of the prisoners. And here the Jews gathered and they were given a choice by Pilate whether to have Barabbas or Jesus released from Roman custody. And what we find here in Matthew 27, if you want to turn there, you're welcome to Matthew 27. Verses 21 to 23. It says, But the governor said to them, Which of you two, which which of the two do you want me to release for you? And they said, Barabbas! Pilate said to them, then what shall we do with Christ, who is, called, who is Jesus, who is called Christ? They said, crucify him. And he said, why? What evil has he done? But they kept shouting. This is a large crowd of people. Barabbas isn't far away from them. He can hear everything that's going on. Listen, this criminal Barabbas is only a short ways away and the reality is, is he can hear everything they're screaming. Barabbas! Now, they probably couldn't hear Pilate asking the simple question, what shall I do with Jesus who is called Christ? But he could hear the crowd again, crucify him! And then again, crucify him and Barabbas knowing that his death is intimate. The crucifixion's terrifying to him. And all he can hear coming through the wall is Barabbas, crucify him. Barabbas, crucify him. And you put your man, yourself in this man's shoes and you are in that jail cell and the guards begin to walk up to you and they open the door and you bet your better bottom that he's going to fight his way. And the guard says, why don't you stop fighting me? Jesus took your place. And Barabbas gets set free. What a picture. A substitution. We are all criminals. We've all broken the law of God. We all have one thing in common. (laughs) We're criminals. You're a criminal. I'm a criminal. And we all deserve death. We all deserve the crucifixion. But Jesus Christ, just like here, becomes Barabbas' substitution. You take out Barabbas and you put in your name. Jesus became Stuart's substitution. Stuart, do you know he just took your place? It's my crime. 
against a holy and just God. But Jesus suffered so that he could be the substitute for you and for me. If you would just believe. Christ suffered for our sins. Christ suffered for our substitution. But thirdly, Christ suffered for our security. He says, for Christ also died for sins once and for all, the just for the unjust, so that he might bring us to God, having been put to death in the flesh. That's suffering. But he's made alive in the Spirit. He did this for the purpose of bringing us to God. Someone asked me the other day, when you get to heaven, who is it that we will see? I said, Jesus. I want, listen, there might be a lot of people there, but if I get to the pearly gates and I open up that door, I'm, you better bet I'm going to be looking for Jesus because he's my security. Listen, if you want to talk to old President Trump... I'm about sure you ain't just going to roll up in the White House and have a meeting with them in the Oval Office. It's going to take a lot of work to get in the White House. And you're going to have to have the right people in line to get in the White House. Well, listen, I want you to understand, if you roll up to heaven and Jesus is not your way in, you ain't going to make it. We know that to be true because he says, I'm the way, the truth, the life, and no one comes to the Father but through me. Do you realize that Jesus Christ is the only way to salvation? I don't care what you do. I don't care how much money you give to the church. I don't care how much you read your Bible and how many scriptures you memorize. I don't care about any of that, although that is important, but not for salvation purposes. It question is, have you trusted in Jesus Christ as the only way to salvation? Do you believe that if you were to die today or Christ were to come back, that you would go to heaven because you have placed complete faith in Jesus Christ? Because he's the only way. He is the only way. Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. Acts 4.12 says there's salvation in no one else. For there is no other name under heaven that has been given among men by which we must be saved. You can't earn it. You can't deserve it. You can't obtain it. You can't gain it. Without Christ, you have nothing because He's your security. Have you placed your faith in Him today? In the gospel, the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Peter wants to encourage us as we go through the sufferings of this life to have on the forefront of our minds the sufferings of Christ. Having been put to death in the flesh, he says, but made alive in the Spirit. This gives me hope. Because he died, we have life. Because he suffered, we can endure sufferings. We can endure the difficulties of life. Because he had victory. And one day we will enter the no mores. There will be no more pain. There will be no more suffering. We will rejoice. And the difficulties of life will be laid down. Because Jesus has conquered it. 
Oh, death, where's your victory? Oh, death, where's your sting? We must understand and know that Christ died for sins once and for all. It's finished. Do you trust in that today? We need to understand that Jesus is our substitute. That he took your place and my place. On Calvary's cross. And he endured the wrath. So that you could endure the persecution. And he's conquered death. Lastly, we need to know there is one way to the Father. And that is through Jesus Christ. This morning I pray if you're here and you've never trusted in Jesus Christ that you would stop trying to get there in your own strength today. In your own ability, by your own deeds, and simply cry out to him who is able. If you're going through something this morning, cry out to him who is able, who can give you victory over your circumstances who may not remove you from that circumstance, but will give you peace in the midst of that circumstance. That's the difference. That's the difference. That is the mind of Christ. That we can endure the sufferings that we endure, but yet be at peace with Christ and be at peace with others. You see, there's a lot of mess that happened back here in my life that if I allowed to would haunt me in today but the reality is at the end of the day my peace is in Christ and I just demand that at this point everything back there is dead and gone and I'm living from that day forward because that's when I really began to live that's when I began to have eternal life and you today You can place that line in by trusting in Jesus. Stop allowing the enemy to use his tool, the tools of his trade to wedge into your life things that bring dishonor to God. We worship a forgiving and gracious God. And we may just need to come today and repent to him and say, Father, forgive me for what I've done. Father, forgive me for being so self-focused and forgetting the power I have in Christ. Stop fighting those battles and allow the Holy Spirit to fight those battles for you by leaning and relying on Him because He has suffered for you so that you could have victory. We would like to thank you for joining us on our program today. We pray that you were challenged, encouraged, and hope that you will stay connected with us for the weeks to come as Pastor Stewart walks us through the book of 1 Peter. If you don't have a church home, Pastor Stewart would like to personally invite you to join their worship service at Family Bible Fellowship in Ridgeville, South Carolina. They meet each week at 11 a.m. For more information about the church, visit them at familybiblefellowship.org and To find out more information about the ministry of Pastor Stuart Guthrie, check him out on the web at gettingintheword.com. Thanks again for being with us and have a great week.